How did you become uh, Christians? How did the Lord call you to himself? Okay, he called him to himself before he met. And that was by his grace, right? So why don't you say first how you came to know the Lord and I'll... Okay, I can't remember a time like when I, I didn't. I was always in church. My dad was a pastor. So I always heard it. And then I probably paid the prayer, you know, about every year or, or whatever, the sinner's prayer. But when I was in high school, it was my um, junior, the beginning of my senior year, uh, I was really struggling, thinking of the future and thinking, you know, who, who's going to be leading me, guiding me? What, what, what am I going to choose? And that, for me, that was kind of like the final, you know, whatever, um, that I, you know, just prayed and said, you know, I, I. I had already confessed my sins before and asked him to save me, but this was like, you know, I'm going to trust you from now on, you know, in your word and and try to follow you. And so, you know, I wasn't always, not, nobody ever is, you know, perfect, but that was, I could see that. And then another big um, step, besides having a, um, a youth pastor come in and um, start doing Bible studies with the, with the youth was when I started memorizing scripture. I mean, duh, you think, well, but, you know, I had memorized when I was little. So, you know, you get the, the little candy treats for memorizing the verses. But that was, I decided to start memorizing, you know, on my own and um, like passages, not just like a verse here and there. And that, I could see how that really made a difference as I allowed his, his word to come in really in me and, and change me. Amen. When I was young, um, I, I failed second grade. I had a problem with reading, writing, spelling, and life was really hard. And I remember just kind of being hopeless and, and not knowing where to go. Just a big weight that I heard a gospel message. Uh, I was a missionary kid in Pakistan, and a guy came and spoke. And I found a friend that Friday, Jesus, and uh, just knew that I was a sinner. I needed a savior. And I really thank the Lord that he saved me that Friday afternoon, uh, 1967. And just a little story, this past year, I was able to find the guy who shared the gospel with me in 1967. Um, I found him over in San Antonio, Texas, and I went and got a picture. He's 94 years old. And I just wanted, I wanted to tell him, I said, thank you for sharing the gospel with me that day. Um, so my call into missions was when I was a little kid, I remember walking down the street and seeing the people that had leprosy. And I said, boy, I really feel sorry for them. I wanna go back to Pakistan and build a hospital for these, these kids. Um, when I was in college, I went to study civil engineering and I was failing chemistry, I was failing math, and I said, God, what's happening? I wanted to go to the mission field. And uh, to keep a long story short, I went to Japan for the summer, and the Lord really showed me that instead of be a builder of buildings, to be a builder of people. So the God called Sharon and I. We went to school. We met in Texas, in Longview, Texas, the Eternal. I guess I, I guess I didn't say the part about like the calling to the mission field, but I started praying with some um, other women in, in the university, the same one that he he was going to at Laterno, and. We, we were just praying for missions, kind of in general, but mostly towards Africa. And I I just went along and she I was She didn't want to praying. go to Pakistan. <laughs> no. And that that um, started like a burden thinking about missions and, and um, 
going overseas, <clears throat> or not necessarily overseas, but anyways, being a proclaimer aware he's not known. And um, I don't think any of those other girls that were praying with me, that none of them ended up going on the mission field, but I did. So I'm grateful, grateful for them for that. So we, we met in Longview, Texas, and first meeting wasn't so hot. You can ask, I think we shared that with Ollie at lunch today. But um, we got to know each other. At, by the end of the semester, we were sitting by each other. And the second semester, I fell in love with her. And we started praying together, talking about missions. And Lord, I remember I asked her, I said, if the Lord calls me to be a pastor, would you, would you still be able to marry me? So that was a big question that I asked her. And what she said? I said, I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, did, she did think about it, but then she came back and said yes. Okay. Um, well, tell us a little bit about your time. You're in Spain now. But before we get there, tell us a little about your time in, in Venezuela in terms of your heart and desire to kind of train up uh, elders for the church. Yeah, so Sharon didn't want to be a camp director, but she wanted to be a the wife of a camp director. So we went to Venezuela to start a camp with the idea of have a late training center where in the summertime we would train kids, have kids camp, disciple them, and then use the camp center to train elders and deacons. Um, so in our first 10 years, we were able to actually graduate over 200 people through a theological education by extension program. So I had a real heart for, for camping, but also I think the best place to to mentor and help people grow as a local church. So as we finished up the camp, we saw more and more that what we really need to invest in time is helping start healthy churches. So in Venezuela, we were able to start one church and we, we felt a church would be healthy when it knew how to reproduce itself. So the first church that we started um, planted two other churches and then God called us to another city um, where we started another church and the, the situation in Venezuela is kind of sad, uh, but there's a good and a sad part. Um, when we were finishing up our church, we had a, a Bible Institute on Tuesday night where we had anywhere from 80 to 100 people. And as a pastor, I was thinking, wow, this is great. We're just leaving the church in good hands with all these leaders. But several years down the road, 4 million people have left Venezuela and 30 families from our church also left that we were training in the Bible Institute. So. God knew what he was doing, and we now have 30, 30 families from the church we planted in Venezuela in 15 countries, and some of them are even up here in the United States. So God knows what he's doing, and we're thankful that we just had that time to train people there in Venezuela. Would that answer your question? Yeah, well, tell me about, uh, yeah, that's perfect. Tell me about your time in Spain. What are you guys doing now, your, your main job, and then what do, you, uh, what do you see the Lord doing in the next few years? Okay, I kind of have two hats. Uh, I'm the pastor of the church. We're trying to start a healthy church there in Madrid. Uh, in Spain, one half of a percent of the population is evangelical. So in the United States, there's one church for every 500 people. In Spain, there's one for every 25,000. So we live in an area of Madrid with 150,000 people, and we're the only Spanish-speaking evangelical church. So there's a real need in Spain to plant healthy churches that can reproduce into other healthy churches. So we're training up uh, leaders in the church with the idea of leaving a healthy church behind that's able to reproduce after, after we leave. So we're training elders in expository preaching, Sharon's working. Right. We, we emphasize discipleship because Jesus said to go and make disciples. So that's a big part of, of the church planting is investing time and in, in every all of everybody um, 
you know, formal sit down, you know, go through the Bible stuff, but then the, the life on life, them seeing you with your kids, seeing you, how you're reacting, you know, husband and wife, you, you can't just disciple somebody only by sitting with them, you know, in a, in a little room with the Bible, and then that's it. There's really, it ends up like Paul said, you know, he, we shared our life, life with you. So we've been learning that. And, and with the yeah, so I do it with the women. So, yeah, we have a little ministry called Pedals and Proverbs. So one of the ways we try to reach out is go biking on Saturday. We'll go out biking and invite family and friends, co-workers, and then have a time of breakfast and share a proverb and testimony. So there are a lot of unique ways. Spain is a hard country, and you got to come up with a creative way. But the thing about it is that, that COVID hit, and that really... COVID hit in Spain, too? It, it hit hard. We still wear masks at church. So everybody here would have a mask on if you were in Spain. Um, but God God worked through that, that COVID, and actually our church almost doubled in size during COVID. People started connecting and Zoom, and they heard about us. So praise God that the church is growing. Uh, this past April, we're recognized by the Spanish government as a legal church, so we can buy property. We would like to, to go back and, and buy a piece of, uh, buy our own property so we can start paying a mortgage and not a rent. And if we can pay a mortgage, it will be half of what we're paying for rent, and that will free up money to, to pay a pastor. Wonderful. Well, so. as you think about going back to Spain, how can we be praying for your family and then for your ministry? Well, our family, they're all married. We have six grandchildren. So they're in the States. They're all um, love the Lord, and they're all married to to Christian spouses and training their children. So that's a big joy for us. Like, well, they're in God's hands. Thank the Lord for smartphones so we can see videos and pictures yeah. of our grandkids. And then in Spain, for me, is um, a big thing is, you know, unity to me, you know, that we all are, are reached, grow in, in unity in Christ, not, not uniformity, but unity. Um, so that's a, you know, as a church gets bigger, there's more differences of, of ways that you think. So I think that's an important thing to be praying for, for us. Uh, we've had a number of people pass away over the years that started off supporting us. So we're praying that the Lord would allow us to go back 100%. Uh, we're independent missionaries that are based on faith. So our, we have right now 20 churches and 37 families that support us. So Pray that God would allow us to go back 100% um, support and that we could finish up these last three years um, doing it, giving it our best, and that God would allow us to leave behind a church that's healthy and reproducing. Amen. We, we almost had Casey coming over in uh, summer of 2020, but COVID hit, and we didn't have that blessing. But we're always open. If you want to send somebody over to do an internship, we'd be happy to receive them. And so if anyone likes to summer in Madrid... You can, see, you can see you can see them so anytime uh, just just one thing um we have a prayer card um somebody asked if we had a card so on the back we have some little prayer cards so feel free to take one of those um we also have a sign up if you'd be interested in getting our updates just put your name down and, and i talked to some of the people that would be interested in helping us translate material for nine marks so if you speak english and help translate into spanish just let me know and we're always looking for, for volunteers to help with that ministry Amen. Well, let's pray, beloved.
Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the McMillans. We thank you so much for what you've done in their life and their time in, in Venezuela and now Spain. Lord, we pray that you would uh, continue to bless their, their children and their grandchildren. We pray that they would stay close to the Lord. We pray that they would grow in, 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 um, in love for you and love for your word. And Father, we pray for the ministry in Spain. We, we pray, God, that you would meet their financial needs, that you would raise up uh, partners uh, to come alongside them in the ministry. We pray, God, that you would help them buy property there, uh, that they can be able to support uh, the next pastor of the church as Peter um, is moving towards retirement. Uh, Father, we pray that your, uh, your spirit would rest upon them. You'd give them wisdom and grace as they lead their, uh, their congregation. And God, we pray that you would um, do all that you want to do in their life uh, for your uh, good purposes. So Father, we ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.